Hi, this is the Organisational Success Academy from the Oxford Review, bringing you the very latest research in leadership, management, organisational development, design, transformation and change, human resources and human capital, organisational learning, coaching and work psychology from around the world to make you the most up-to-date and knowledgeable person in the room. Hello. So we are dipping into another research briefing today for this podcast. This one is looking at effective communication using authentic stories that persuade. So I'm Sarah and I'm here with Dave. Yeah, this is, um, in fact, it's been called story selling. Okay. Yes. It's the idea of using stories to sell not just products, but ideas as well. Yes. And which is interesting because in a sense... That's kind of what we are all engaged in doing all the time, yeah, isn't it? Trying it's to persuade kind of, people, yes. you know, come to the zoo with me or whatever yes, it happens to be. That we communicate yeah. through story, that, you know, a lot, a large part of our way in which we engage and connect with other people is in various forms of um, story, perhaps particularly when we're trying to influence or kind of, you know, yes. say, yeah. Which how we, it's actually, it, it, what's interesting, what interested me about this mm. is that it's, stories are the basis of how we create meaning mm. cognitively. Yes. We tell ourselves stories about things. So we tell ourselves stories about, you know, even just articles like a bed and the difference between a bed and a settee or a sofa, for example. There's a story in there that we've told ourselves about those things. So as we're learning, what we find, what we know about learning cognitively Mm. is that the best learning is when people have the time to be able to kind of construct a narrative or another word for that is a story so we we from a kind of psychological point of view we call it mediating meaning Mm. so we mediate meaning through stories so what we're storing in our head isn't facts and isn't just snippets of information it's the stories that hold all those things together so the story creates a framework for thinking about something. And and that's why this paper particularly gathered my interest, was using it because most of us are trying to persuade other people at work or just sell ideas or you want something or something like that. You know, and what they're saying, what this paper's saying is that actually you can purposefully use stories to persuade people because it is the construction of meaning mm. and it helps to frame things for people and and helps to motivate and move them into a different direction. Yeah, it's sort of unpacking what is the process by which this is happening anyway, but then looking at, so how can you in a more deliberate and skillful way almost craft the types of stories you tell in such a way that they are more persuasive? Um, And in this particular research, looking at that from the context of selling, if you like, so actually... And telling stories in such a way that you're persuading a buyer, for example, mm. or a customer yes. um, to engage with um, your product or your services, etc. Yeah. Or the idea. Yes, yeah. yes, or an idea or something. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting because it, it, what, one of the things that I haven't thought about is that um, the, this idea of kind of stages of persuasion. Yes. Yes. And that they've come up with some stages of persuasion. Yeah. Should we dip into those and have a little look and share some of the key ones that cropped up? Um, So there were five different stages that this particular research looked at. um, And they were suggesting that it's within each of these different five stages that stories should be used. 
Um, so the first stage was about approach or rapport building. Yeah. So making that connection. Um, and the suggestion here was that there should be research to find or create stories that appeal to the audience's needs or problems. Mm. So you really need to step into the shoes of your audience, really find out what it is that matters to them. What are their values? What are their beliefs? What yes. are their problems? What's the pain that they're experiencing? It's kind of a story to connect yes. them with you. Yes. And not making the assumption that because it's a story that resonates for you, mm. it's a story or even a story that has resonated for other people who you've tried to persuade mm. or, you know, talk to about a particular idea or that it will work with other people or with this particular group that you're focusing yeah. on. Um, and that stories at this stage should be used to show how the author understands and relates to the audience's unique mm. situation. So in that very process, you are demonstrating to them your connection and understanding of them. Yes. So not only is the story resonating more for them, there's a kind of subtext here, which is, and I get you. Yes. I, I kind good. of understand mm. you and your world. Um, and that personal stories in particular have been found to be particularly effective at creating that kind of open, friendly relationship. So it's real yes. trust-building stuff, yes. isn't it, that's it, happening yes. at this stage. The whole rapport. A real foundation. Yeah, connection and building trust. Yes. and. And therefore, and we'll we'll cover this a little bit later on. This idea of kind of authenticity yes. becomes quite important. But we'll come back to that. Yeah. We'll come back yeah. to this authentic. And then, and and this this the next stage that they were talking about in in kind of persuading people was this idea of a, a needs identification stage. And what, what interested me about this was that what they're saying is that you can use um, authentic stories about needs or problems faced by other people. Um, to kind of help the the listeners or your audience to kind of explore their own needs. Mm. And what I found interesting about this particular kind of phase or stage of persuasion is that you don't need a completed story. The idea here is to actually use a story in order to invite a response. So you're not, it's not a kind of a full beginning, middle and end type yeah. story. You might have a beginning, a middle and leave the ending up to the individual so that they can tell you. So you, you're extracting information out yeah. of people through a story that you've started, but they finish. Yes. And I thought that was really interesting. It's really interesting, isn't it? I was um, talking about this idea of co-creating things, and there was a real mm. sense of that in this, that actually yes. you may be, you're starting a process of communication mm. through story yes. that is connecting and building trust that then yes. leads you on to co-creating a narrative yes. that moves people on and to and understanding and exploring an idea. Yeah, and It's kind of the thing that we do. You know, when you, you're talking to somebody and you, you tell them that, I don't know, you've been to the doctors with an ailment and they go, oh, yes, I've had the same thing. Yes. And then they start telling you their story about their bit and then they reveal some information that, A, you didn't know about them, but also about your condition that nobody else has told you. Yeah. So you end up together co-creating this kind of narrative. And that's what this is suggesting here is that you go through a, a process of co-creation of a story in order to find out what this individual's particular perspective on the things are and what their needs are. So we're, we're not telling a story, we're only telling a story here, we're listening very carefully. Yes. I think that's a really, so some of the stuff where, you know, um, one of my areas of, um, interest is around wisdom research yes. and then it's one of the things that's really fascinating is the role of narrative and story in terms of passing on wisdom between people so collective mm. wisdom if you like and then also personal wisdom and the kind of narrative and meaning making but how we 
um, grasp and assimilate kind of wisdom from others through reading of story. Yes. So myths and all sorts mm. of things and the way in which we can kind of second position, almost put ourselves into the shoes of um, a particular character in order to kind of draw down some personal insight in yeah. spite of the fact that it came from you know yes. some sort of third party source, if you like. But one of the things that's been shown to make a real difference in that is um, the degree to which we can step into the shoes or empathize with the real with the character. So how yeah. well we can simulate yes. vicarious experience. And that some people seem to be better at simulation than others. Yes. And the degree to which the story resonates with the individual is going to have a large effect. So the more we can relate to it. So one of the things that particularly struck me about this was this idea of that co-creation, because it mitigates for the likelihood that your story is not one that can be simulated by yes. the person that you're communicating Doesn't relate to them. With. Yeah. And that's, and again, we'll, we'll come back to this, this idea of authentic stories. Yes. Because they tend to resonate more. We can connect with those. And you just think about the kind of novels and things that you really connect with and other ones that you just can't because there's no, there's no relationship being built up yeah. in, in any kind of way. The other thing that really interested me about this stage, this needs identification stage, and this is something that, so when I'm teaching lecturers to teach, for example, mm. one of the things we're often exploring is this idea of open loops. So you're not telling the complete story. What you're doing is you're opening up a mystery mm. or you're opening up a question that you don't answer mm. because that has a, a really interesting effect cognitively on people. So one of the things that I do right at the start of lectures is I'd say, you do the usual thing about, this is roughly what we're going to be talking about. And then I say, um, oh, you can share any of the stuff that we're doing here, but there's one thing you're not allowed to share. I can't tell you until the end of the lecture, but um, you, you, when we get to it, you'll understand why you can't share it. And I just leave it like that. <laughs> and if and so my lectures are, are like days long. We're not talking about like hour-long lectures. Mm. So at the end of the process, if I forget what always happens they all can't leave until they know what, what the secret the is what was the thing yeah because it's an open loop i've yes. created an open loop yes yeah and there's a there's a philosopher called paul tillich and there's a quote that he he wrote which always sticks in my mind and he says that um, an answer that has the weight of authority kills the question mm. And I think that, you know, that relates to this idea of opening loops. And that's very much what's going on here with this needs it identification. Really is, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very much so. It's, it prompts a very different experience in the yes. story listener, if, if you like, in the first instance here. And they start to become a participant in that. But yes. it's, it sparks curiosity, openness. Mm. There's a, and what's really interesting is as they move through this, what what starts to happen as you start to move towards closure. I was reading a really, I can't remember the name of the book. I wish I could because um, it's such a fabulous one to recommend. Um, but it's all um, written about somebody who's been involved at um, quite high levels around um, trying to influence climate change. Okay. And that one of the challenges with the way in which climate change has been approached is that there's been insufficient storytelling, mm. insufficient kind of myth around yes. it and a lot more of a factual scientific yeah. logical rational mm. explanation and the expectation that that will you know 
surely that would convince that's compelling evidence. Why would people not change their behaviour or why would mm. people not be latching on to this in a different way? Um, yes, and telling convincing stories, yeah. authentic convincing stories yes. becomes quite important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I just I, I find the whole paper fascinating. Mm. So that's the kind of needs identification Fish. stage. Um, and then presentation and demonstration stage comes after this. So this is about using authentic stories to highlight features and benefits of the idea or product, um, as these often are about increasing memorization and a connection in the other person. Mm. So these are like the hooks, the bits that the yes. person kind of goes, ah, yeah, I get that, or it's um, kind of tapping in in a different way. Um, telling stories that show how the idea or product can be used to solve the individual's problems or challenges was found to be particularly effective. Mm. So not only are these are the hooks that work for that person, but that a way in which they would resolve something that is problematic yeah. in that individual's experience. Stories that include questions for the audience to answer and participate in the story and get them to tell their own stories, again, were found to be particularly effective. So again, it's this kind of co co-creation, yes. that openness that we were talking about. Stories that build curiosity, which we were talking about as well, um, inducing an emotional response. So that's another aspect, isn't mm. it, I think? The emotional response and experience that we have yes. with regards to stories and yes. the degree to which um, that fuels perhaps our perception of how authentic they are, that it speaks to us at an emotional level, not just in, mm. um, at another level. And I think a, a, an important part of that, particularly when you're selling an idea or a product or something, is this, actually, I can do this. Yeah. You get that sense that, you know, I can use this, I can do it. And, and, that, and that's an emotional response. Mm. It's that sense of, well, self-efficacy. It's that, yeah, okay, you know, this makes sense to me and I can do it. Yes. You know? Yes. Uh, because it's important because if you go away thinking, yeah, great, but... You haven't sold it. Yes. You may have. They may be interested in the idea, but they're not going to take any action. No. And that's a problem. Yeah, they need to. This. Um, there's something about the ability to for it to connect and resonate for the individual, and for them to then be able to take have a sense of agency, I guess, in response yes. to that particular idea. Yes. That they can see their own part in it, which. Yes. Um, I think the emotional part of that is a really mm. important one. Mm. It's one that comes from, as you say, it kind of yes. feeds, feeds things like your sense of self-efficacy, yes. um, a sense of confidence. Yeah, um, and it's more than a part, it's a path. Yes. That they see that yeah, they've now got a pathway out of here, out of their problem wherever it is, and that this is a, helping a solution to their problem they can use this idea or product or service or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. yeah. And then the, the next stage um, that they talk about is the objection stage. And this is about dealing with working out the kinds of objections that um, people are likely to have to the idea or to the product and working out what um, authentic stories you can tell around how other people have overcome that objection, mm -hmm. how they've dealt with it. So either, you know, this is going to take me a lot of time, for example, well, how somebody else has chunked it up or how somebody has delegated part of this to somebody else, or those kinds of stories are kind of, they, they deal with the objections. So what this, the, the paper's saying is that you, you craft a series of stories that you can just draw in yeah. when you start to identify the, the objections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're anticipating those almost in advance. and um, Yes, and that you create this, and they, they talk about small, authentic vignettes. Yes. Uh, and just having those stacked, 
for that moment when you're talking to people, you can just draw on them yeah. and, and spending some time just creating those. And again, it's um, in the process of doing that. There's a lot of demonstrate. There's a lot of empathic connection that is built, as in mm. I understand or I get yes. what the your objections might be or the objectives that might exist around this. Is all about saying I I I share your experience and yes. understand yes. that. I get you. I get you exactly. Yes. And then the closing stage. This was about um, kind of accurate stories of pre- previous people's success. Um, stories of satisfaction with the idea or product that can be validated. So I think this use of things like accuracy and validation. So some of this looks back, hooks back to this idea of authentic. Yeah. So they're you know they're a trusted source. Um, that those are really important in terms of gaining. You know, very powerful in terms of gaining acceptance. Um, authentic stories which highlight the positive impact of the idea or product, and um, particularly useful in that kind of closing or gaining acceptance. Yes. Um, for a particular issue or idea. Um, stories in the stage that evoke either again the strong emotional reaction or provoking thoughts of how this idea or product may be useful again impacts on things like mm. acceptance levels and the story at this stage needing to involve a call to action so the, there's a kind of next step if you like yes. that's the kind of you know this mm. is the way in which we move on from this so they move the story from into doing something which would start the individual either using the idea or the product or whatever it is that you're yeah, it's you're kind selling. of it's kind of moving them onto the pathway now. Yes. So they're moving out of. You're not closing it down. That's you're, right. Yes. You're literally kind of almost so, opening it up. Right. This steering. is the way to go now. Yes. Yes. So signposting almost. That's um, right. Yes. Yeah. So and I can quite well imagine that you can you know, stories about how other people have used this idea that help to kind of evoke ideas in the individual of how they might now move. Yes. And But I would think also in there there'd be something important about not having too many because people can get confused mm. or they can get this sense of overwhelm yeah. that I've got too many options. Yeah. And it's a bit like that famous study about the jam. Have you, oh, have you, yes. yes. Where if you put too many types of jam on, yes. the sales go down. Yes. If you reduce the amount of types of jam, People are much more easy. It's easier for people Managed to make choice. a decision. Yeah. So, and it'll be the same, I would think, here yes. in terms of making sure that they don't have too many options, yeah. that they can see a way forward yeah. from here, and yeah. it's a fairly clear way forward. Yeah. 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 I think, and I, I like this. I just want to come back to this thing about um, the authenticity. Yes. And because we kind of we know, don't we, when we're being sold a sop. When somebody's just telling us something and you think, that's not true. There's no coherence in there. And one of the things that the paper kind of looks at are the the kinds of things that help to build authenticity. Yeah. And um, so it it says that there's kind of two aspects to this. One is doing some research. You know, it's kind of essential. Um, They've got to be authentic stories that match the stage of the message in that we've just been talking about. And that... It's an idea to actually test the story on other people first before you use it live, for example. Um, and you test them for, th- for an, a number of kind of issues. So the first one is coherence. So do people think that the story is coherent itself? Um, then authenticity. Does it feel right? Does it feel true? Um, and then logical progression. You know, is it skipping around? Do they get where this is going? Um, emotional impact. 
working, you know, telling it to somebody else and seeing what emotional impact it has or none mm. and, and then shifting it. And it's, you know, it's kind of what authors are doing when they're developing novels yes. and things. It, you know, there's this saying is, you know, you don't write a novel, you rewrite a novel. <clears throat> and uh, there's a, a friend of mine who's an author and she says she writes most books 12 times yes. before it gets yes. to publication. Yeah, writing is rewriting, really. Yes. That is what writing is, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And then, uh, the, you know, the, the last two are cognitive impact. You know, what, what does it leave the listener thinking? What impression does it leave with them? And then fit with the stage that we've just been talking about and the, the purpose, you know, what is it you're trying to achieve? What is it you're trying to persuade people in? Um, and that what the study was actually doing is it was it, what they'd done was they were training um, business students to tell stories mm. and then measuring whether the students who'd been trained to tell stories in each of these stages and in this way, when they came to a, a marketing module, whether those students did better and sold more than students who hadn't actually done the storytelling module. And there was a significant difference in the two. The ones who incorporated stories sold, in terms of products, sold a lot more, okay. a significant amount more, compared to the ones who didn't incorporate stories and hadn't done the storytelling module. Which was, and that was the research part of this. What they yes. were doing is they were taking this yes. and, and, and using looking it to at see whether it's it, effectiveness and yeah, yeah, interesting, really interesting and and useful. And I don't think we tell enough stories. I don't think teachers no. tell enough stories. No, no, we don't, do we? There's um, we don't. It's not, and it's not really a skill that is particularly um, taught outside of the kind of boundaries of creative writing or kind yes. of learning to tell stories in those kind of sense. That's right. Um, and yet we really all do it. We focus. We all do it. I mean, and, yeah. as you highlighted earlier, it's we're doing it in our own heads. Mm. It is how we structure and develop our sense of who we are and and yeah. how we make sense of the world around us. I mean, yeah. it's kind of fundamentally important. And this idea of restoring and you know, when, yes. when you think about. Um, you know, restoring our own experiences as we go through life, um, and the way in which that kind of shapes and influences us as individuals and our identity. And, um, yes, our sense of who we are yes. and our, um, who we are in relation to others. Yeah. And um, yeah. well, when you think about it, it's it's actually you know storytelling is actually the biggest industry on earth, mm. bar none. Mm. You know, you think about all the magazines, all the the, the television programs, yep. films. Yeah, you know, even the news. It's not like a bullet point list of facts. They tell stories to the extent that they put, send some poor hack out into the rain and the darkness, yeah. you know, to go and report from the scene, even if you can't see anything. Yeah. You know, it's just black behind them. And they're, I'm reporting from the scene of this. Well, you can't see anything. But, yes. And it, because it adds to this idea, sense of authenticity yeah. Yeah. and, and a, a sense of story. Yeah. And, you know, you meet up with a friend for a coffee or what we've been doing mm. since we've met up today. The first thing we did was tell each other a whole load of stories about what's happened since the last time. Yeah. And it's it's kind of, it's the language that we use for connection with everybody. It's, yes. We spend our day telling stories. Yeah. And yet we... Get to formal things. Yeah, we forget yes, it. Yes. And if anything, we've become so um, focused on doing and more transactional type of exchanges often in order to be able to keep up with the pace of demands and yes. the challenges and those sorts of things, yes. perhaps particularly in workplace contexts and those sorts of things, that actually it's the it's the connection through storytelling that is often the bit that gets yes. pushed 
out of the way. There's this yeah. idea that, you know, oh, don't give me the story, just cut to the chase. I just want the, the straightforward point. Whereas actually the relationship is in the storytelling. Yes. And often the most important information about the person mm. is in the storytelling, mm. not in the, if you had a one-line version of it, what would it be? I only want that. Yes, <laughs> you know, I just want the fact. But we become yes. quite like that because of the need for pace. Yes. But you see this, so because I teach lecturers to teach, mm. what we find is a lot of lecturers do very dry lectures that's just bullet points of yeah. all these things yeah. without telling any stories. So it's not engaging. So it, so at one level, it looks effective because the lecturer is giving more information. But actually, and we've measured this, there's a lot of studies to show this, at a, at a completely different level, it's completely ineffectual because somewhere around about 90% of the information doesn't even go into the yeah. student yeah. because they can't because it's not in the form of stories. So we end up creating this very ineffective system. And, and one, of the, one of the skills, I suppose, is when you're not doing it naturally like you would just, you know, if you met some people in a coffee shop and everything, is making it feel natural. So it's a natural process and we're all doing it but we kind of what we do is we kind of structure things so they feel unnatural therefore inauthentic in business contexts in teaching and everything we end up oh this is the story bit yes. i need to do like tell this story yeah uh, rather it being a natural progression yes and the other thing that strikes me in that is that because the most authentic stories and that's the other thing i liked about this because it wasn't about saying that it was kind of looking to your own story bank, if you like, mm. for this. Mm. So the most authentic, effective stories are are personal. Yeah. You know, they are personal stories. Um, and yet often when we go into the, you know, stand up, you to deliver a lecture, to design or deliver a lecture, or you're going to do a presentation, um, you know, um, at a meeting in your organisation or something, and we take ourselves out of it. You know, we kind of almost as if it's valued to be impersonal and yes. to be detached and to not This bring weird idea of professionalism. Into, yes. <laughs> and yet everything we know about what builds connection and rapport and, um, mm. and influences and um, gets people on board with ideas and understanding what you're talking about is connection. It is put the, you know, bringing the personal into yes. that. Through stories. Through stories is what really yes. matters. And, um, and yeah. yet, yeah, we have this sort of like awkwardness about doing it. Yes. And, um, and it's kind of, we miss it out. And, and some of that, I think, is because of this concern with time. Yes, I think a lot of this is about pace. Yes. Um, yeah. And yet, we, we know whilst, and, and it's a false trap because we think, okay, I've only got 10 minutes, therefore I better just give them the facts. Mm is what we forget is on the other side of these facts is a person telling themselves a story because they've got to. Yes. And they're either telling the story, and this is one of the things I say to my students, they're either telling themselves a story about the facts that you're giving them or they're telling themselves a story about you. Yes. And they're saying something like, oh, my God, this person's really boring. Yes. And if you've got that, the facts aren't going to go through. It's not efficient. Because they're not listening anymore. They're just going, oh, yes. my God. <laughs> you know? and, yeah. and that's the problem that lecturers have with students, that salespeople have, mm -hmm. that you know, if we're trying to persuade people, mm -hmm. if we're having that emotional reaction, oh, they are a real problem. Mm -hmm. you know, time's not the issue anymore because they're not listening anyway. They just think, just let me out of here. Yeah. And, and that's why it's worth investing a bit of time just to get the connection first. Yes. And going through these stages rather than, here, just, I don't have time, so just have the, 
have the facts. Yeah. And then if there's no connection, you've lost anyway. Yes, yes. You may as well not be spending yes. your time doing any of the later things because they're yes. not achieving any kind of objective that you might have. Yeah, and there's no yeah. persuasion there. No persuasion there at all. Yes. If that's what you're, yeah. yeah. You're just kind of pushing through content. And it's, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's a, mm. it's a great paper. So, so members can go into the membership area and if they just look up either effective communication or story selling or authentic stories, um, and they'll be able to get the full research briefing, references and everything else. Thank you for listening to the Oxford Review podcast. For free research briefings, audio and video research briefings, research infographics and a whole lot more, visit oxford-review.com. That's oxford hyphen or dash review.com. And please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. It would mean a lot to us to have your feedback so that we can make this podcast even better for you. Mm-hmm.